Joel the prophet is a nobody. You ever feel like a nobody? He's a nobody who became a somebody. You know how? Because he received God's word, he took it to his own heart, and then he passed it out to others. We're glad you've joined us today for Living in the Light with Bible teacher Ann Graham Lotz in a series of messages from the book of Joel, chapter 1. Her message, God Sends Harbingers, underscores God's warnings as credible, clear, and compelling. Here's Ann. You know, if you're a fan of NCAA basketball, you know when the season ends, right? It's March Madness, right? And everybody knows when NCAA basketball ends, at least in North Carolina you do. (laughs) And if you're a parent, you know when the school year ends, right? Because then you've got to plan camp, summer vacation, so you're already calculating that, I would expect. And if you're like me and I'm responsible for a lot of the business in my family now, I know when the fiscal year ends and I know April 15th I've got to get all my stuff turned in so that we pay our taxes and You know when the seminar ends because you're going to have to check out of your room and you're going to have to pack up your bag and go home. So we know when things end because we need to know because it helps us plan what we're going to be doing, where we're going to be going, you know, what our priorities are going to be. And if we know the end of those things and we spend time thinking about it, arranging for it, preparing for it, how much more important is it to know the end of human history and where we might be in relation to it? Matthew 24, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and his disciples came up to him and they asked him this question, Jesus, tell us how we'll know the end of human history. What are the signs of the end of the age? What I want to pull out and emphasize is that Jesus did not dispute with them about whether or not there would be an end of the age. (laughs) There will be an end. And the evolutionists would tell us that we've been here for billions of years, we're going to go on for billions of years, and it's just we're evolving into whatever and... That is such a lie. They tell us we've come from nothing. We're going nowhere. We're accountable to no one. And it's in a direct contradiction to God's word. Because God's word tells us that human history had a beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. And then he created man from the dust of the ground. And he breathed his own life into Adam and he became a living being. And he created Eve. And that's where human history began. And human history has a midpoint. And it doesn't mean that history is equally divided in half, two equal halves. Just there's a point on which all of human history pivots, and it's the first coming of Jesus. His birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, that's the midpoint of of human history. And human history, just as it had a beginning, just as it has a midpoint, it will have an end. And it ends in the spectacular, great and terrible day of the Lord, when Jesus Christ comes back visibly, physically, to the Mount of Olives to reign and rule this world from the city of Jerusalem. Praise God. There is an end to human history, and it's ending in Jesus. You can read the book of Revelation, which is one of my favorite books, and you can read the end of the story, and it's all about Jesus. And he will be exalted, and he's glorified. So let's go back to the disciples' question. How will we know if we're the last generation of human history? How will we know if we're coming up to the end of human history? And we'll know because God will send us harbingers. What's a harbinger? Harbinger is like an omen, like a forerunner, like a warning. 
except in this example, it's not a warning, but we had snow in Raleigh. So five inches of snow and ice in my backyard, just solid white, so hard that when you walked on it, it wasn't fluffy. You didn't sink down into it. You walked on top of it. (laughs) And then it went into deep freeze. It was in the single digits. And I looked out of my window and I saw at least a hundred robins on my white snow. And I had to smile because I thought, you know, it looks like it's dead winter, but spring is coming because robins are a harbinger of spring. And so God sends us harbingers to let us know when the end is near, when we're coming to the end of human history as we know it. And I think that's what Joel chapter 1 is about. And so in Joel chapter 1, the harbingers are credible, and they're clear, and they're compelling. First of all, they're credible. Look at verse 1, just the first phrase, the word of the Lord. What we're going to talk about, the harbingers, they're credible because they're the word of the Lord. It's God's word. God is a gentleman. He doesn't lie. He doesn't mock you and me when we try to seek the truth. When he speaks, he he says what he means. He means what he says. Nouns are nouns. Verbs are verbs. You know, you can take him at his word. And this is God's word. So is the prophecy reliable? Is the book of Joel something that we can count on? Absolutely, because it's the word of the Lord. It's God's word. And one of the most meaningful things is in this first verse when it says the word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Pethuel. Let me describe him from my point of view. Joel the prophet is a nobody. You ever feel like a nobody? He's a nobody who became a somebody. You know how? Because he received God's word, he took it to his own heart, and then he passed it out to others. Do you want to be a somebody and you're a nobody? then you read God's word and you apply God's word and you study God's word and you obey God's word and then you share God's word with somebody else and you'll be a somebody in heaven's eye. So I love the fact that this book is written by a nobody who became a somebody. Can you imagine this little nobody whose writings were quoted by the apostle Peter on the great day of Pentecost? Now that's something. And his words recorded in scripture for all eternity. And so... Nobodies can become somebodies when they receive the word of God and they internalize it and they live it out and then they share it with others. And I'm assuming that Joel the prophet gave his message out verbally because they couldn't text, they couldn't email, they couldn't print books, you know. So I'm I'm assuming he went around preaching this word. But then God said, Joel, I want you to write it down. Why? Because he wanted Joel's message, I believe, for you and me today. We don't know if he came before captivity or after captivity. We don't know if he was a prophet to the northern kingdom or the southern kingdom. So you know why, I think? Because God wants us to know that his message transcends all that. Don't lock him just in the context of one particular era because I believe his message is for those of us living at the end of human history. The harbingers are undisputable because they are God's word. In verse 2, it says, hear this, hear the word of the Lord. So at the end of human history, you can't do anything more important than hear it yourself and get other people into your Bible studies, bring them to church, get people into God's word. Great example of that is Noah living at the end of human history as he knew it and listening to the word of God, the only person in the whole world who was listening to God. And God said, Noah, I'm going to, Send a flood. I'm going to bring judgment. It's the day of the Lord for that particular time. Going to destroy the whole world. But I want you to offer salvation to your generation. I want you to build me an ark. And Noah did. 
aren't we glad he listened to the word of the Lord? Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Read it, study it, apply it, live by it, share it with others, become a somebody in heaven's eyes, get other people into God's word that they might know what God is saying in these last days. We can't do anything more important than listen to what God says. And one of the things that Joel the prophet gets across is that he looked at things that were happening in his world, and then he overlaid those current events with God's word, and that made sense. So you need to look at the world situation, and however you look at it, but take the scripture and you look at the world through the lens of scripture. It makes all the difference in the world. And so Joel the prophet is doing that. He's looking at what's happening in his world and he's overlaying God's word on it. And that's where he's at. Whoa, this is serious. So harbingers are credible because they're undisputable. They're God's word. They're universal. And we're going to look at the harbingers in a moment. But look at this. In verse two, they're universal because they're for everybody. Twice it says that they're for all who live in the land. And specifically, maybe this is to Israel, but I'm going to apply this to all of those of us here, all of us who live in America in particular. That's heavy on my heart. And I I feel technically the message could be for Israel, and I hope it gets through to Israel, but I believe God has a message, a prophetic message for the United States of America in the book of Joel. And it's for everybody. Verse 2, it's for the elders, the old people who have gray hair like me. Verse 3, for children and grandchildren, the young people, the millennials, the generation X's and Y's, and (laughs) I don't even know how they label them all now, the ones, you know, who have pierced tongues and pierced noses and purple hair and have iPods and iPads and wear hoodies and tattoos, and it's for them, all right? Verse 5, the drunkards, and to me, those are just people who sin openly, You know, they're drunk. They don't even know they're drunk. They're staggering down the road. And it's people who just sin and they flaunt it and they march to insist on their rights to it. And they're just wicked and they don't care who knows it. And they just enjoy their sin and they're just dragging other people into it. It's for them. It's for the priests. Verse 9, 13. These are the people who are all buttoned up, you know. Religious people keep traditions and rituals and they think they're right with God because they do all the stuff and they're self-deceived thinking they're okay because they keep all the rules. It's for them. Verse 11, it's for the farmers, the working people. Verse 14 repeats, it's for all who live in the land. It's for everybody. Specifically, it's for you. And it's for me. It's for God's people who are called by God's name, who need to humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked way. And if they don't, that's the warning. So who will be caught by surprise by the end of human history? Don't let it be you. Jesus said, don't let it catch you like a thief. You and I need to wake up, pay attention to what's happening. The warnings are undisputable, universal, and they're unique. In verse 2, he says, nothing like this has ever happened before. Actually, put it in the form of a question, but he was meaning nothing like this has ever happened before. That these things are unique to this generation. And he's talking about a locust plague. But I want to think, what is unique to my generation? What in my lifetime has never happened before? Something I would tell my children and my grandchildren. And, you know, I think there are things like technology. You can now wear your computer on your wrist, (laughs) 
And just think of computers and the changes in that, or the cell phones, or the communication, the World Wide Web. You think of weapons of war and mass destruction, the nuclear bomb and smart bombs, and think of medicine and the cloning. I pray not of human beings, but cloning of animals and other things they're doing, and travel that we've walked on the moon in my generation seems like lifetimes ago, doesn't it? What is unique to this generation? And then we can talk about disasters, which we're going to talk about in a moment. But Hurricane Katrina wiped out an American city. 9/11 changed us forever as a nation. So many other things we're going to talk about in a few moments. But the warnings are unique. They're something that's happening in this generation that hasn't happened before. So listen to me. Stop pretending. Stop thinking that you know we're just going through a cycle and now it swings this way and then it swings that way and we're going to come back somewhere in the middle. And I believe, with all my heart, with deep conviction, we're living at the end of human history as we know it. So wake up. The harbingers are credible because it's God's word to you and me through a nobody who became a somebody for this generation. I believe. And the harbingers are clear. I believe this is the end, and we know because God sends these harbingers, and I've put them in categories. Just makes it easier for me. But they're disasters. And you know, in the Old Testament, when God couldn't get the attention of His people, and He couldn't get them to listen to His prophets or listen to His word, then He would send a disaster, like a locust plague, like an invading army, to wake them up, to get their attention. And I believe that's what he's doing in our world today. And so Joel says these harbingers will come as a series of disasters, and it doesn't—they're not sequential. They can all happen at the same time, which is what I think is happening, which makes them so incredibly unsettling and maybe unique to this generation. But the first one, environmental disasters, and that is the locust plague in verse four. And the locust plague just came in. The locusts came in and ate everything progressively, you know, through all the stages of the locust until nothing was left. And it was an environmental disaster. So what record-breaking? And Joel says nothing like this has ever happened before. So what record-breaking environmental disaster can you think of? And I just go back the last years, okay? And you can go back if you want for a generation, but we don't have time. So I went back to 2013. Hurricane Sandy was called the Frankenstorm. Sixty-five billion dollars it cost. Destroyed the coastlines of New York and New Jersey. Moore, Oklahoma, saw a tornado that was a Category Five with winds of 200 miles an hour. In Yosemite, there was a rim fire that burned for 10 weeks. It was the largest Sierra blaze in history. Colorado flooded in 17 counties, and those are just a few. 2014, that was the hottest year on record and the coldest winter on record. Isn't that interesting? The winter was 35 degrees below average for two-thirds of the nation. The drought in California went into its third year. There was an earthquake in Napa Valley that cost two billion dollars. The snow in Buffalo went to seven feet, and then we have 2015. Denver had a snow in February that broke a record that had been held for 103 years. Boston broke their all-time record, and I know in North Carolina we've broken already records for cold, and that's. Just in 2015, and so increasingly, we're seeing things ratchet up, aren't we? So it's just environmental disasters are getting worse and worse and worse, and don't pretend that they're not. 
And you know that because of the record breaking, record breaking, record breaking. And something maybe broke a hundred year record and then it's a 10 year record and then it broke last year and then they're just breaking records every year and they're just shattering the record books. Harbingers, warnings. So don't dismiss God's warnings because they come through the environment. People say it's global warming, it's the polar vortex, it's El Nino or, you know... Joel, the prophet, would tell you that behind those environmental disasters is God who's trying to get our attention. And social disasters. Verse 5, wake up, you drunkards, and weep. And substance abuse, drugs, alcoholism is an epidemic in the United States. Alcohol-related accidents are the leading cause of death in young people. We spend more money on alcohol than we spend on cancer. Number one drug problem in America. And it's directly related, involved in 73% of felonies, 73% of child beatings, 41% of rapes, 81% of wife battering, 72% of stabbings, 83% of homicides. That's a disaster. And drug abuse, whether it's prescription drugs or heroin or cocaine, the latest one that's seems to be sort of, you know, not so bad, is marijuana. Marijuana has been legalized for entertainment or for recreational use in four states. 23 states recognize it for medicinal purposes. Two-thirds of high school seniors say that it's not bad for you. It's okay to smoke marijuana. If you smoke it on a regular basis, it's been proven to lower your grades. You're less likely to graduate. You have depression. You have a lower income. You're more likely to be unemployed. And regular use leads to a drop of eight points in your IQ. That's a disaster. Active shooters, you know, people that just go out and shoot people, like Sandy Hook, Fort Hood, Kansas City Rest Home, Virginia Tech, the Washington Navy Yard, who would ever forget Columbine? In 2000 to 2006, there were six per year. Now there's one every three weeks. That's a disaster. The racial tension in Ferguson and the whole country riots. Somebody pulls out a gun and shoots two policemen just standing outside their precinct. That's a disaster. And the University of Oklahoma at Norman in that fraternity. And I saw a video of that. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe they did it, much less videoed themselves doing it and posting it. And I don't even know how to describe that. So I I want, it was just disgusting. It was a rap that was a racial rap. It was absolutely disgusting. And that's a disaster. That's on our college campus. Some parents are paying for their kids to go to school and go to that fraternity. And oh my goodness. So wake up. It's a harbinger. The social disasters, the environmental disasters, financial disaster. Verse 5, wine will be snatched from your lips. And in Joel's day, wine wasn't a luxury, it was a staple. So what he's saying is things that you need, your everyday necessities, in one moment are going to be taken from you. And we might not understand that until the last few years when we've had major institutions collapse, major banks that collapse, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and all of that. And just like that, people lost their pensions, their 401ks, their retirements. And it's going to be worldwide. And I believe it's going to be worse. It's, that's just, those were harbingers of how bad it's going to get. So what financial disaster do you see on the horizon? I Googled that, and I, I'm getting some of my research from the Internet, and I do try to go to reputable websites. And Wall Street Journal 
said that they're predicting a financial crash. I actually think financial prosperity, when the stock market goes so far up and the rich become so rich and the poor get poor and there's no jobs in the middle class, I think that is a disaster. I think that's a harbinger. I remember hearing David Wilkerson preach on that, and it was a warning. Prosperity is not necessarily a blessing from God. National disaster in verses 6 and 7, a nation has invaded. And he's referring to the locusts coming in. But then I got to thinking that he was saying that the locusts were like a nation invading his land. And so it was a, an invasion of a non-human army. So then I thought, well, what is a non-human army that's invading America right now? What's an inhuman army that's invading our nation? Pornography. And Fifty Shades of Grey. If you have read that book, if you've gone to see that movie, I hope your face is 50 shades of red. Don't go near it. <laughs> it glamorizes. It makes entertainment, sexual violence, and abuse of women. Where are the women's rights? Where are the women's lip people? Where are the feminists to rise up and say, don't do that. It's pornography. And every time I turn you know, my, my website, my homepage, when I go online, is a news service. And on the news service, with all the news items, are little thumbnail things of pictures that I think if I was a young person, I wonder if I would click, and they just suck you into pictures that, in my mind, used to be in Playboy and some of those other magazines that were behind the counter, and, and now they're right there on the homepage of a news service. And you know why? Because pornography is big business. Did you know that pornography makes more in one year than Microsoft, Apple, Google, eBay, Amazon, and there's one more, Yahoo. All of them put together. Apple, Google, Yahoo, eBay, Microsoft, Amazon, all of them combined. It's just like a seeping poison, isn't it? And it's not just ruining the young people. And I'm here to tell you, if there's somebody here that's involved in that, listen to me. You bring it to the cross. Bring it to the cross and nail it there. You crucify that. You think it's just harmless. You think you can get power. That it's destroying your spirit. And it has repercussions for eternity. Stop it. That's a disaster. National disaster. I think the worst invading non-human army is unbelief. Secularism, humanism, agnosticism, atheism that's just crept into the United States of America, one nation under God, in God we trust. And that's a national disaster. A powerful reminder from Anne in today's message. We're certainly in a season of God's harbingers, His warnings of a day to come, and a day that's coming soon. Here's Anne with these closing thoughts. God is speaking loudly and clearly through the prophet Joel. God is clearly warning that his judgment is coming on our world, and it's going to be ugly. However, just as God allowed the Israelites to suffer through the ten plagues before they were delivered in the Exodus, Christians may have to endure distress and trouble before God brings peace, which is why we need to pray, to cry out to God on behalf of our nation and our world, Jesus clearly warned that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. 
Men and women eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, they had no idea that judgment was coming until it came and swept them all away. There's nothing wrong with eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, except that in Noah's day it was all done without God, indifference to God. There's a rising atmosphere of secularism and atheism in our world, but there is a God in heaven. I believe judgment has begun in the world and in our nation. God has repeatedly warned us that if we forsake him, he will forsake us. We're eating and drinking. Our malls and stadiums are packed. People are talking about what's on the latest sitcom and worried about all their entitlements. They have no idea. They're living on the edge of an abyss, and judgment is getting ready to fall. Listen to me. It's time to pray. Plead with God for his mercy. Pray for our nation to return to faith in the living God so that he will return to us now. This has been Living in the Light. Please take advantage of all the free resources at angramlots.org to help and encourage you in your walk with God and in your study of His Word. Join us here each week for Living in the Light. <music>